Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your host today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, our topic will be on the seven mountains of influence and that mountain we will be discussing is family. And our scripture for today is from Malachi 4, 5 through 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Wow, that's a good one. All right. You know, for the past six weeks, we've been doing a series on the seven mountains of influence that affect our society. I've learned a lot. How about y'all? Yes, definitely. Very, very, very It's very insightful. Yes. So today we will be discussing the final mountain, which is what we just said, the mountain of family. And this one is near and dear to our hearts. You know, it also means a lot to God. He created the family dynamic. And ultimately, we are all a part of his family. So a quick review of the seven mountains of influence. They are media, family, arts, and entertainment, economy, religion, education, and government. And again, we want to mention where we got this wonderful, relevant information from. It comes from a couple of different books. The first one is Johnny N. Lowe's, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, Unveiling the Elijah Revolution. And the other one is Johnny and Elizabeth N. Lowe's book. That's his wife. uh, The name of it is Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. So you can also hear Johnny talking about this in great detail on Elijah Streams with Steve Schultz. He's usually on every Monday, and he explains all of this really, really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Johnny says the family unit is clearly under assault by Satan, and more specifically, it's fathers who have failed, although Satan's assault shows up in other areas too. The mountain of family is in dire need of an infusion of Elijah revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. It could also be called the mountain of social justice because the true greatest social injustice we currently face is that the hearts of fathers are not turned toward their children and the hearts of the children are not turned towards their father. All other social injustices spin off of that central injustice. You know, the Lord just read that Malachi. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read it again real quick. Malachi 4, 6. It promises that Elijah will come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. It's the last promise and the last verse of the Old Testament. Right. That has meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, scripture says that in the last days, it's not just the parents' fault. Something evil will be released on children to turn them against their parents. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4 says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Did I say that right? Blasphemers, mm-hmm. okay. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, we're experiencing it to some degree now, mm-hmm. but the intensity will largely increase in the latter days. Right. It is Satan's attempt to subvert the latter days work of the spirit of Elijah with a preemptive strike. 
So for the mountain of family, we see God as Papa. He is love displayed as strength. And Johnny says, this is the strength that family was meant to be for us. The strength of bloodline, heritage, and inheritance. It is a generational strength that was meant to help us as individuals stand against the storms of life when everything else falls apart. And the one safe place you can always come back to for acceptance and love. Strength through families is the foundational fabric of every nation. And family means everything. They are the ones that you love unconditionally. And in turn, you receive that same unconditional love. So let's learn about family through the eyes of God. Yeah. So what is family? The first definition for family in the dictionary is parents and their children. That's pretty clear and simple, right? right? Family is an institution created by God. Without God's plan of morality for humans, we digress to animal and sub-animal qualities. Yes. And family and morality are the very fiber of order for society. When family order disintegrates, then social order also disintegrates. There's a direct correlation between them, and as societal ills and dysfunctions have coincided with the breakdown of the family unit. Statistics on human criminality overwhelmingly indicate that broken homes are a major influence on those who become lawless. Broken homes are major contributors to drug use, illegal sexual activity, inability to secure gainful employment, jail sentences, and almost every other societal ill imaginable. Right. And since the father's absence or abusive behavior is the most damaging factor in a broken family unit, that's where Satan will concentrate his attack. Yeah, we see it all the time. Right. You know, it's just so sad. The family unit's glue is love. First, Mm -hmm. love between husband and wife, and then love among the family members. Right. Without love, family cannot really exist. Right. So I want to talk about the different levels on this mountain. And Johnny already talked about the fact that Baal and the Jebusites are the spiritual influences on the top of this mountain. Right. The physical faces are not as clear as those on other mountains. Laws that govern family relationships, however, are clearly up there. Laws are important in the sense that they represent the government's implied approval of behavior. Government then becomes accountable before God for the laws on the books. Yes. So, for example, some abortions will occur even if there's a law against it. Mm -hmm. But if the government sets no standard of righteousness on the matter, then it's called into account for the sins of the people and not just the individual sinners. Right. Therefore, laws and ordinances that govern the family and by extension those who have power to change laws and ordinances sit at the top of this mountain. The Supreme Court is probably even more influential on the mountain of family than on the mountain of politics. It decided Roe versus Wade and has the only entity with the power to reverse it. Its justices have the power to determine for legal purposes what a family is. They are involved in all morality-related rulings. To fully dethrone Baal and take this mountain, we will have to bring his influence to the Supreme Court. God's influence. Mm -hmm. That's right. The emerging Elijah revolution will begin to bring God's order to the top of this mountain. Less influential judgeships that have significant authority in family legal issues are probably at the mid-mountain level. On the low level of the mountain is the presence of God's people as pastors in every segment and fabric of society, particularly those involved in government family services. So what does the Bible say about family? Johnny points out the Bible uses the word family 123 times. Wow. And the word families 174 times. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah. 
the Lord clearly establishes himself as the God of families. Right. And I mean, think about it. Even the Trinity reflects a family dynamic. Right. There is father and son, and the role of the Holy Spirit is to prepare a bride for the son for the marriage supper of the lamb. Mm -hmm. His heart towards relational life is further expressed in Psalm 68. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. Mm -hmm. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. And God's heart is the heart of a family man. The members of the Trinity communed among themselves as the world was created. Then they made Adam, who since he was in the image of this Trinity, was lonely without a family identity. In Psalm 68, God announces himself, as I said, as father of the fatherless. Right. He knew that man would fail in his model, so he provided himself as the father of the fatherless. To a widow who lost her husband... He's her defender and even her husband, as he says in Isaiah 54, 5. The passage above states that God sets the solitary in families. We are all solitary by nature. Right. But he has put us in families to bring forth fruitfulness as we live a proper family life. The greatest individual on earth can reproduce nothing outside the context of family. The Elijah Revolution will recover and reveal the beauty of family. The hearts of the parents and their children will be turned toward each other. You know, the last part in Malachi 4, verse 6, it says, God says, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So Johnny writes, we haven't touched on that phrase yet, but it's important. Right. If this family restoration doesn't come, the earth will be struck with a curse. That word curse means annihilation. Right. And the earth will suffer annihilation if true family is not restored on earth. AIDS is a disease that has its roots in the violation of God's customs or traditions for the family. It's a sin disease that decimates families and leaves millions of orphans behind. A man and a woman who marry as virgins have provided themselves with the ultimate protection against AIDS. There are, of course, many innocent AIDS carriers, but the source of the disease is sinful, anti-family behavior. Around 40 million people in the world are now infected with a death sentence that is directly attributable to violating God's known standard for family life. Could the curse of Malachi 4.6 be an even worse disease or a virus that takes out the disobedient? Wow. Mm -hmm. Elijah revolutionaries will not stand by and allow the possibility to unfold. We will receive and carry the restorative work of the spirit of Elijah to the nations. Wow. That's good. You know, Johnny also wrote a prophetic newsletter back in October of 2004. It was before Hurricane Katrina, and it was warning of judgments coming to a stretch of land from Mobile to New Orleans. And he stated that an altar to Baal existed between these cities and that, you know, Mobile, Biloxi, and New Orleans all carried these stones of this altar. And so Mardi Gras is essentially, you know, a celebration of Baal. Right. And Johnny, you just do the research on that. Right. You know, but Johnny wrote that the next hurricanes would be the judgment storms and that New Orleans was headed for a big, he titled it, a big uneasy. And he also wrote Biloxi, the eye of the hurricane has your name on it. Yeah, remember that he, this was all the way back in October of 2004. Right. These were prophetic words. 2005, wasn't it? I can't remember what year that was. I think it was 2005. I think it was It was before it, you know. So Johnny shared that, you know, hurricanes of 2004 were warning storms of what would, you know, be God's manifest judgments on Baal altars at that geographical, you know, area of our nation. 
a mass homosexual parade or celebration that was to bring many millions of dollars to New Orleans was scheduled the week that Katrina hit the city. Bail was doubling up in the city by adding homosexual decadence to his existing active altar there. Yeah. And the name Katrina means purity, perhaps a message of God's intent for that hurricane. So what looks like God's anger against homosexuals is really his passionate love working to spare them from greater judgment, like lifetime in a real hell. So awesome. You know, Isaiah 26, 9 through 10 says, At night I long for you with all that is within me. When morning comes, I seek you with all my heart. For when your justice is done on earth, then everyone in the world will learn righteousness. If grace is extended to those who do wrong, the perpetrators never learn what is right. And even when surrounded by upright people, they gravitate to evil and never even notice the awesome beauty of the eternal. So Johnny states that we are headed into a season when the Lord will entreat the gay community with his judgments so that they will learn righteousness. Nobody understands more than the Lord the tragic rejections that homosexuals have had to endure. Right. 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 That's he knows God's that. love right there. He knows their hearts. Yeah. He loves they them. They are love. Yes. Right. Yes. They are love. He loves all of us. Right. He doesn't want anybody to perish. Right. And nobody's right. even cheering them on more, you know, for them to overcome these challenges in life. Yet sin can't go unpunished. Right. And abominations receive the more severe judgments of God. And to be tempted with feelings of homosexuality is not an abomination to him, but crossing the line into homo, you know, actual homosexual behavior is. Right. So Baal is the principality of the mountain of family, and his demons of entrance are the Jebusites of rejection. And abortion and homosexuality are forms of worship that strengthen Baal, and his goal is to, you know, is the disintegration of the family, which he knows will in turn disintegrate society. And in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will dethrone him, and we are now in those days. Okay, so let's talk about the pastors on the, the mountain of family. There's a role that pastors play. And so to take the mountain of family, God's true pastors will begin to take their places. And the people we now call pastors are far removed from what this ministry is designed to do. You know, traditionally, we view a pastor as someone who heads up a church and preaches a weekly message. Right. It's actually more biblically correct for apostles and prophets to lead the church and for the pastors to be the very, you know, hands-on ministers of God's mercy and grace. Their strength is not administration, not necessarily teaching, and not laying out a vision, but rather in having a heart that has been, you know, conditioned to apply that one-on-one personal care of the Lord. This is why so many pastors end up getting burned out and reported there's a reported like 15,000 that quit every year. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So as churches become more biblically ordered, you know, many more pastors than we presently have will be discovered and commissioned. They won't have the financial burdens and considerations and will be free, you know, to just love on God's lambs. So there is nothing more polluted than a pastor who's a hireling. Right. And another reason we are so pastorally weak is that we have excluded or limited women from stepping into this role. Women often more uh, seem more wired for intercession than men, and this is also the case with pastoring, you know, perhaps even more so, because many women have a natural gift for nurturing, and when we finally recognize them, you know, for their, their proper role, we'll have a church that much better represents the heart of a good shepherd. Yes. 
So the mountain of family must be infiltrated by pastors in every sector of society. Regardless of your title, at your place of employment, you may be called to serve as a pastor or, or in that workplace. Your specific assignment is to displace the Jebusites by bringing the healing and redemption and acceptance of Christ to wherever you may be. That's good, Laura. Um, Johnny mentions that government services that assist families are one of our primary areas of need. Right. The Department of Family and Children's Services should be staffed entirely by pastors, not official professional pastors, but those who see this mountain of society as their mission field. Right. That's good. Many Christians have no desire to enter that arena because the pay is weak and the positions carry no prestige. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why the task requires true shepherds, not hirelings, in the societal infrastructure of our nation. Right. This is a clarion, which is loud and clear like a trumpet, call to Elijah revolutionaries to enter this arena and begin to bring the reign and rule of God to earth. Right. And then we have judges who are pastors, right? Because we're talking about all these different types of pastors. Mm-hmm. Right. Judges, Johnny says, are granted great latitude to intervene in personal family issues. The kingdom would be best served if the judgeships were filled by sons and daughters of God who understand the king's ways. Only Holy Spirit-filled judges can have the proper instinct for how much mercy or justice to dispense. We need judges who know that God really considers them pastors and are willing to bring this his light in this way. Yeah. Right. You know, the strategy in taking the mountain of family is to pursue it with both prayer and action. So intense prayer for the Supreme Court is obviously a high priority. Right. You know, it's important for us to understand and believe in faith that we can legislate in the spirit realm, even with the wrong people in office. Right. And you you see it now, you know, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade last year. You know, it's just so important that the people that we place there are godly yeah right that they're they're righteous mm-hmm, that right. they know what gods they're listening to what god's asking them to do because they control they make a lot of decisions they're for, the highest court of the land right they mm-hmm. make a lot of decisions for us and it affects all of us mm-hmm. right yeah yes you know if we don't understand this fact you know we will only gear up in prayer for moments of elections you know and think that we've won or lost based on that event right but the story of esther and her intercession for god's people had great influence in saving that nation it sure did you know, but there's been instances where we voted for the right people, you know, to be Supreme Court justices. But once they got in there, they changed the way they voted on crucial decisions. Yes. Johnny says we must break through in prayer and create an umbrella of influence in the spirit where righteous enactments are made regardless of who's in office. Right. Bail must be knocked out of Washington, D.C., and a prevailing influence of God consciousness must be raised so that the fear of the Lord begins to instruct Supreme Court justices. Intercession is a powerful weapon for taking the Supreme Court and this mountaintop. Yes. You know, redemptive strategies are needed to restore, rebuild, and recover family life that has been lost. The welfare system needs an overhaul. Right. We know that for sure. Right. I mean, the laws in place are actually harmful to the family unit, and some adjustments have been made, but more are really way more needed. needed. Yeah. Any law that financially encourages those who have children out of wedlock and then benefits them, you know, more if they don't marry, that has major negative effects on the family unit. Correct. And welfare laws make it, you know, financially advantageous to have no job. Right. 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 Because, I mean, just getting on this this, uh, wagon here. (laughs) Soapbox. (laughs) You know, like when I was going to college, 
or my husband was going to college. Right. If you your parents were divorced, you got way more money and way more aid and you didn't have to pay as much. So you get more penalized because your parents are together and they make a decent income. Right. You have to pay way more money right. out of pocket. And so those that are doing, and it doesn't mean that anybody that's divorced, you know, is any better. I'm just saying it's not right if our laws penalize those who are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. According to God's laws, right? It's like they're rewarding what Satan wants, which is division. Right. They're rewarding the division. They reward the division rather than the unity. Right. Yeah. And that's that's not good. No. Okay, yeah. Right. You know, welfare laws make it financially advantageous to have no job, as opposed to low-paying job. It promotes lifelong dependence on welfare, which is not healthy either for the individual family, individual or a family. Right. So whoever has the favor to tackle these legal issues should approach the overhaul of this system from the standpoint of what would, you know, most promote and strengthen a strong family unit. Right. So orphans in the world, you know, have already reached a critical stage and will only increase. There are millions of AIDS orphans in Africa alone, and there are also orphans from war and combat situations. There's an estimated 250,000 child soldiers in the world, and most are orphans. This problem of children without a home and a family breaks the Lord's heart. Right, it's not what mm-hmm. he intended. Right. So Elijah revolutionaries will be blessed with strategies and income to create an entirely new orphanage model. Right. Orphanages that carry the spirit of Elijah's anointing on them will be able to provide supernatural healing and restoration for their orphans, something that carries the DNA of family of heaven. Those whom Satan has stolen the most from will be granted authority and favor to cause him the most damage. Right. You know, some of society's most incredible mighty men and women of the future are currently devastated orphans. Great grace is available for those who will extend themselves to reach those beloved children of God. His heart is always stirred most strongly towards the fatherless, the rejected, and those with no hope of a future except in Him. It's time to tackle this mountain and bring God's unshakable kingdom to it. Yes, 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 and I so agree with that. You know, what you said, Laura, is so true. Someone will have to tackle all of the legal issues regarding the welfare of our children. The entire system needs to be overhauled. It needs to be done with a great amount of love that will help bring healing to the many children that are affected by our current broken system. But here's the good news in all of this. God is raising up Elijah revolutionaries right now as we are speaking. People that are gifted in the area of what a godly family unit should look like. And when we gain back control of this mountain... God will release these Eli- these trained Elijah revolutionaries to rebuild what's currently in place. And that's something to get excited about. You know, and when this takes place, the many orphans all around the world will experience the love of God through these Elijah revolutionaries. It will change them. It will heal them, not just their hearts and minds. But I believe God, you know, just as you mentioned earlier, Laura, that it's also going to heal any disease. God's going to heal any disease or deformity that they have. It will give them hope for a wonderful future that seemed impossible before. You know, this also applies to adults that have come from a broken family, like parents that are separated or divorced. It applies to people that were raised by a single parent because their mom or dad has passed away. It applies to people that have two separate sets of parents, you know, meaning your mom and dad are divorced and both have remarried and you have step parents. You know, some of those were probably not great experiences and others were, were wonderful. It also applies to the many that were raised in a foster home. 
And again, some had wonderful experiences, others didn't. If you're an adult and you didn't come from a healthy family unit, God will heal all of the pain that you endured during your childhood. Even if you're still struggling with all of this as an adult, he will heal your heart and teach you how to be the best parent that you can possibly be for your own children. The family unit was ordained by God. It is first established in Genesis and it's talked about multiple times throughout the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. And I'm sure many of you have heard some of these verses before, and I'm only going to share a few, but there, you know, there are many other verses that talk about God's intentions for a family unit. The first one is Genesis 127. It says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Genesis 2.24 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Matthew 19.6 says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. You know, in a strong family with a foundation built on God's word, the husband and wife will feel safe and secure, which will help their children also feel safe and secure. You know, that's what everybody wants, right? They will feel loved and it will pour out into every relationship that they have for the rest of their lives. When both mom and dad are secure in their relationship with God, they will be secure in their relationship with each other. When children come into the family, it is a blessing to be able to teach them about the Lord so they can also experience his love and learn how to love others. When you have a proper family unit, your children will have a much better understanding of God, his church, and his authority. If your children never learn to respect their parents, whom they live and interact with, then how are they going to learn to respect God, whom they can't even see? You know, how are they going to learn to respect their teachers or anyone that is an authority? When parents teach your children that there is authority, responsibility, and consequences, boy, that's a big one, you know, consequences, because there should be, for wrong actions, the children will know who God is and the authority that he has in our lives. There is so much peace in knowing your children will do the right thing because they have a strong, godly foundation. They won't always be perfect, but God gives grace and they will learn from their mistakes. You know, it's crazy to think how far off track that the family unit has gone. But again, you know, we've talked about this in, in prior episodes, but we have, we've allowed the enemy to come in and change the idea of what a true family unit should be. Our goal is to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. And with God's help and guidance, we will have victory on this mountain. Amen. All right. This is a great place for us to stop today. We will split this topic about family into two episodes. So please join us next week for part two. And we want to close with this scripture today from Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen to that. And today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. Thank you so much for Caitlin for all your hard work. We appreciate it so much. And we have one link that we used uh, that we want to reference. So we'll put that link in the notes section of this episode. And once again, we want to we want to reference Johnny Enloe's book, The Seven Mountain Prophecy, as well as Johnny and Elizabeth Enloe's book, Rise, A Reformer's Handbook for the Seven Mountains. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we'd love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3, that's the number three, at gmail.com. All right. And please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us. And mine is susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty.
Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Until next time, Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.